cheers to another episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. I'm your guide, AJ Weinzettel, on this journey of stories showcasing the people behind the wonderful world of wine, where we dive into conversations ranging from terroir, viticulture, to favorite music, superpowers, and more. Please enjoy this episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Lytle Barnett for sponsoring the podcast. We're almost done with getting to know Lytle Barnett's vintage-based sparkling wines. I was already impressed with Lytle Barnett when I started this journey in February. However, my socks have been blown away several times over the last few months with how well these wines have held up. I did a little test with multiple bottles to, just to check to see what would happen over several days. I also had to test my willpower in not consuming the entire bottle. With all of the wines, I couldn't believe the constant stream of bubbles on day four. It doesn't stop there, though. The mouthfeel, structure, acidity, and let's not forget about that delicious taste were all firmly in place. Blown away is really all, all I can say here. And if you haven't purchased any bottles of Lytle Barnett yet, time is running out on that promo code of Wine Notes. That's W-E-I-N-N-O-T-E-S for 20% off. When visiting www.lytle-barnett.com, that is www.lytle-barnett.com. And again, that is the promo code of Wine Notes for 20% off until April 29th. Thank you, Lytle Barnett, for sponsoring the podcast. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure, AJ. Really happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, holy cow. The uh, the weather today. Yeah, it's um, March what? 24th? Yeah, and just dumping snow. <laughs> right. It was dumping snow, and then on, on my way here, the sun was out, and I'm like, I, I kind of need some sunglasses, and who knows what it's going to yeah. be like later on. Yeah, it's um, it's been a wild one. Um, I'll take cold springs though and late vintages i like those we'll see if we get there hopefully late vintage like last year will yeah. be great yeah maybe avoid some spring frost would be nice that would be great yeah, yeah. <laughs> shall i pour us a little bit of wine let's do it yeah okay so i always try to find wine that kind of relates or it has some sort okay. of relation to you yeah um or that's something that you like and um the first one i was like ooh, that was be Perfect, because I think Andrew would like that a lot. Okay. And then... Uh, I'll try to not um, make a fool of myself. Well, you know, you don't have to make any comments or anything, <laughs> it's, and it's totally up to you. Um, but then I came across the second one, and I was like, I got to do that one. So okay. I, I hardly ever do I do... <clears throat> one other time I've done two, two wines for a podcast... Get that one. I know. I opened it's the color on and on there, that, yeah. and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> smells great. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll dive in. I'm gonna, right. I maybe should taste this one second. <laughs> Just based on the smell, I'm going to say that it's. Pretty sweet, I'm guessing. <laughs> Maybe even looking at it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, we'll go here first. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, this smells like great. This smells like this, like, very... This is, like, the dumbest 
tasting note that you can say, but but it kind of rings true to me where it's like, this is very grapey, which is like, <laughs> yeah, duh, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, the other one is grape too, but it definitely doesn't mm-hmm. have any grapey characteristics to it at all. <clears throat> yeah, it smells and feels like... Um, whole cluster kind of influenced wine in some ways um, I'm I the first thing I thought of was like that this smells like Gamay um, right and whether it's Beaujolais or, or a, sort of a new world Gamay um, I might stick in the new world um, it's just kind of this beautiful exuberant fruit on this wine yeah no it's <clears throat> yeah let's sit with these yeah, you're I mean, gonna tell me what they are later. Yeah, I'll tell you what they okay, are cool. at, at the end, yeah. and uh, you know that that way it'll give you oh some time God. to to think about it as well. And I did taste one, taste this one beforehand, and I was like, okay, I'm. Yeah. It is not corked, which is good. I'm glad yeah. mm-hmm. I, because I was afraid it might be a little corked. But the, um, yeah, sometimes those real yeah, there's sort of this like edge of. Hmm fuzzy kind of mineral character aromatics that, that lead one to believe something's corked. That, I don't think that's corked at all. And it's, yeah, yeah it's a gorgeous wine. Definitely sweet. Um, but yeah, bright acidity and, and yeah, you know, it, it looks like also there's some age there too, but um, a fresh, that's a fresh wine. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, I, it tastes a whole lot better than it did when I opened it a little bit over an hour ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep thinking about those. Yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> um, so going back into my memory, I you know I so I get a uh, I I look to see who signs up for my newsletter. Yeah. And I saw uh, this person Till at Aldea Wines. Yeah. Sign up for my newsletter. I'm like, I've never heard of this winery. Yeah. So I go to the website. I sign up for your newsletter mm-hmm. and then you you sent me an email it's like hey how did you hear about us yeah yeah and um june or january of 2020 that's when that was gosh yeah is uh when we had our, our first tasting yep. together at Al- yeah. lingua franca and holy cow it's yeah been over in the corner near the concrete tanks yeah probably on a turned upside turn on its head barrel yep exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um that seems like a longer time ago than that it does and and especially sort of the beginning of that year in particular what that year turned into and how sort of drawn out that was yeah that is that does yeah january of 2020 three years yeah three years it's been amazing to to watch your growth and like the direction that you're going and you know and it's it's interesting that year though challenging for you know sales for a number of reasons you know we had had you know all these kind of these distribution relationships that, you know, that was only, you know, we had just released our second vintage. Um, and, you know, we had had, you know, pallets just kind of like waiting to get loaded onto trucks and go out the door that spring. And then obviously everything shut down. And, um, you know, there's all these plans that, you know, we're sitting there thinking like, okay, how do we move forward? And, you know, I would say, and, and, I, I know that I feel this way. And I know that Teal feels this way. Like we have a tremendous amount of gratitude for you and 
you know, that, you know, that was maybe in sort of the nascency of, of all these things that you're doing too. And, um, you had very kind things to say and, and that sort of, I don't want to say the word like hype necessarily, but that sort of buzz, um, a lot of that started with you and we're oh. grateful for that. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ex extremely grateful to, to have helped in any yeah, way. You're a part of the journey, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, over the years I have definitely said, you know, I'm definitely an audient fanboy. <laughs> appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's been a blast. Um, kind of moving a little bit into your history a little yeah. bit. Um, if I get my dates and everything correct, after the 2010 harvest, mm -hmm. you went through France and tasting wines and uh, went to Alsace, Alsace ah, the, the Rhone, Burgundy, and Beaujolais. Uh, what, what was that like? I mean, I, and, I, and let me give you a kind of a construct of yeah. kind of where yeah, I'm yeah, coming yeah. from. I go out of high school. Two weeks after high school, I'm in the Air Force. Like, I have a job. Boom, 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 boom. And you go over and explore all of this and dive deep into all these different wine regions. And personally, I'm jealous. But <laughs> what was that like for you? I yeah, mean, yeah, no, it's like, you know, that was um, that year, you know, I guess those were like yeah, 2010. So that spring, I would have worked in New Zealand and that would have been whatever my sixth harvest and so seventh harvest would have been in um in burgundy and you know when you're when you're yeah it's like yeah there's this i had i had been fortunate enough early in my career to kind of get full-time jobs right out of the gate and so didn't do as much of that bouncing hemisphere to hemisphere um as i would have liked to and so that in 2010 when it presented with that opportunity i obviously jumped on that and um you know there's this like you know, you're also in your early twenties, mid twenties. And it's like, you need to, to buy a plane ticket to these places. Like you need to actually get paid when you go and work there. And that's not always the case in Burgundy. And I was fortunate enough to work for Claire and Adon and, um, I'm sure that it, maybe there's a statute of limitations, so it's probably fine. But like, <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be paid. Um, cause technically I was working as a student there. Um, but she, at the, she paid me and paid me in overtime and at the end of harvest just basically handed me a manila envelope right. full of very colorful money for all of my work there. And yeah, that allowed me then to be able to, well, just completely blow it in two weeks <laughs> in France, driving around and, uh, right. tasting wine and eating. And, um, she also lent me a car, which was this like tiny little Peugeot from the early nineties. Um, that's like interior panels were, were, had been ripped out. There was like a, there was like a two by four holding up the window. Um, and it's also, you know, it's November. So it's, you know, very cold in that part, you know, in all those parts of France. And, right. um, so myself and a friend who had worked in, um, who had just finished harvest as well. He had worked at Romassonet. Um, yeah, just packed in the car and, um, started making some calls and he had some connections and I had some connections and, um, you know, we both loved, you know, we both loved the Rhone and that was someplace that we for sure wanted to go. And, um, 
know, we tasted with, you know, Grayo and we tasted in, uh, we tasted at, um, Gigal and a handful of places. It, it, you know, it was a pretty incredible experience. And, um, you know, often, you know, we're tasting with maybe another group that right. you know, is all speaking French and we're the only, you know, so we're just kind of like trying to piece together what's actually being said, but really just trying to be exposed to these wines and these places and, and winemakers. And then we had a friend who was working harvest at Zinumbrecht. And so, yeah, we drove up to Alsace and that was freezing cold and um, got to taste at some incredible places there as well. And, you know, really it's just like, um, I would say that up until that point, my life in wine was as a cellar worker, right? And, right. and pretty like tunnel vision, just proficient at getting the job done, doing good work, and, 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 and kind of like knowing how that translates into just really the wines in front of me. So that opportunity to travel is, is really kind of the beginning of, of kind of like opening up my contextualized world of wine. And, you know, that journey continued at Antiquitera and, and all the wines we were exposed to there. And, you know, it, it, it really brought home the value of seeing the place, seeing the, 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 the like the dirt terroir, the, the place terroir, the people ter terroir. Right, right. Um, what, what that means for those wines and what that means for those wines place in the world. Um, yeah, it was a great, I mean, yeah, it was a great experience. Oh yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. It was, it was, it was fun. You know, we were like, we were, um, lucky to have some people advocate for us to get some good appointments because, you know, we're not like, we were not, we were not heavy hitters by any stretch. <laughs> no, that, that, that is great. And you mentioned in Antica Terra. Yeah. And you got invited to do a harvest. How, so one, how did you get, how did that invite you yeah, come that was, up? Um, you know, I was kind of gearing up, you know, so in between those kind of hemispheres, I was, you know, working in a restaurant and, um, gearing up to actually go back to France and work another harvest in the Rhone. Um, and had, you know, been in contact at Grayo and Crows Hermitage. And that was, um, you know, I, I, my first love, honestly, if we're being frank here, even though we're in the Willamette Valley, um, was Syrah. And that's, you know, I mean, those are the ones that I really loved making in Santa Barbara County. And, um, anyway, so I'm kind of, you know, making those plans and I get an email from, um, Nate Reddy, who right. is now, you know, at Hi you, if you're familiar, uh, out in the gorge. Um, and you know, it was sort of like he was forwarding me an email from, um, uh, a friend who was working at Literai. He was Ted's assistant there. And I had worked for Ted in New Zealand at his project called Burn Cottage. And, you know, it was basically, it was this thread that Nate had forwarded me, which was, Nate had emailed a handful of winemakers that he respected and just said, right. Hey, we're looking for somebody. Um, and this friend of mine replied, um, and said, Hey, I don't know if this guy's got a job, but, um, he's in Oregon and he said nice things about me. And, and Nate said, are you interested? And I said, you know, okay, yeah, for sure. Give me like, let's talk. And, you know, there were probably, it was a very short list of right. wineries that would have kept me 
from going to France and Antique Terra would have been at the top of that list. Of, of course, um, yeah. So yeah, I was, you know, I, I had an interview with um, Nate and, and then with Maggie and um, they brought me on board for Harvest and there was this sort of like, oh, we don't really have an assistant winemaker. Um, we're not really sure uh, we need one at the moment. But in my mind, I was very much like, I'm going to hopefully make you feel like you need one. And so, right. you know, I just worked my ass off that harvest. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine. Yeah. 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 Uh, now it's 2011, which was, yeah. Yeah. Happy to have not missed that Oregon vintage. Um, missed 2010, which is one of my favorites. Um, but really proud to have made some beautiful wines in, in 11 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned Nate and you worked also with, uh, Tom Caruso. Tom was there, yeah. uh, at the end. So that would be, they're kind of bookends of that, um, of my time there. Okay. Um, I hired Tom as an intern for the 2016 harvest, which was kind of my departing, but he came on in the summer and helped me with a bunch of projects in the winery leading up to harvest, just kind right. of getting things, getting things in place. And, and then I know he stayed on there for a while and, um, then obviously started his own thing. Right. Have we you... worked with a lot of cool people at Antique Terra. Well, there's I, some, I, yeah, there's some, um, there are some folks, I mean, the list, yeah, goes on. You've got Graham Markell, who's got his own brand, Bonanata and, um, you've got Matt Perry, who's at Double Zero now, and um, uh, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, the list could keep could keep going. Right. Lee, who's working for Andrew Davis, and right. um, yeah, it yeah. was a cool thing to to watch all these people who you know came and worked a harvest, or some people worked two harvests, and I think Graham actually worked three harvests. Um, kind of. You know, we'd always talk about like, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up kind of conversations <laughs> during harvest. And, right. and it's pretty remarkable to see a lot of people doing the thing that they said they wanted to do. Yeah, it, it is remarkable. Uh, at IPNC this past summer, uh, I ran into uh, a California winery, uh, Kanzler. Yeah. And so Alex has a cousin that lives in North Carolina. She, uh, he convinced her to come out here. And Morgan actually did. Uh, oh, yeah. A harvest up at Antica Terra. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's if you can work a harvest there, I highly recommend it. You're not gonna, you're not gonna learn more or drink better anywhere else. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I am sure. Have you given any thought to like getting some of the the band back together and creating like some sort of commemorative kind of special wine or anything? That, that's a, that's a good idea. I mean. Um, there, I mean, that could be fun. We, we haven't, but, um, there would certainly be, um, no shortage of talent to do that. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of, you know, other folks who didn't kind of remain in winemaking, but are still in wine, um, on the back end of that too. I mean, it's, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe yeah. we should do that. I think that would be phenomenal. <laughs> do you want to invest? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, and, and you know, there was a pivotal day where Dan and Till were you know supposed to have a tasting with with yeah. Maggie. Yeah, yeah. And you ended up stepping in, yeah. and holy cow! Three and a half hours later, 
Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily believe in luck, but um, yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes life kind of lays a path for you, and right. um, you know, there's you know there are opportunities, whether you see them or not, constantly. And um, yeah, it was just. I mean, at the time, yeah, when when I was at Antique Terra, at that point, you know, there were like there was maybe four people who worked there, and so you had a 25% chance of me doing a tasting and, right. um, and yeah, yeah. And Maggie was supposed to do that one, I think. And, um, it was somewhere I don't remember. And, um, yeah, that, that one tasting just sort of led to conversations, you know, right, and right. I, you know, would look, go and look at a, a vineyard for them or a, a, a potential site and those conversations, yeah, I mean, here we are, seven years, seven years later, and um, yeah. you know, it, it, there's a lot of ways that that could go, and I, you know, I'm just fortunate to have found um, some folks whose skill sets certainly are a good fit with mine, and then who trust me from a winemaking perspective um, explicitly, and you know, I obviously couldn't be more grateful for that. Yeah, no, they they're absolutely amazing people. I love I love Dan and Till yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is I would be curious to get like your answer, Till's answer, and Dan's answer to this. Yeah. But during that three and a half hour tasting, was there a bottle that stood out? That's a good question. I mean, I um, probably universally my favorite thing that we were pouring at that time was what we started with, which was. Ulysse Colin um, Perrier uh, champagne, and right. um, you know they're, they've they've expanded that tasting program to oh. you know heights that I was never going to be able to reach while I was there. <laughs> I'm not a chef, and you know it's the, not a hospitality professional by any stretch. Um, but their sourcing of wines really started at that time, and the incredible foresight to be buying, I mean, that wine among, among many others, um, that is, that has remained to this day, one of my favorite producers. And now those wines are, you know, virtually impossible to find. And if you do, I mean, we were selling that bottle for like 80 bucks or something oh, like that. Oh my gosh. And if you look online, I mean, it's like a $600 bottle of wine now. And that's a testament to whatever, a whole another conversation about the world of buying rare <laughs> wines, but, and why that happens. But, um, that for me was a highlight. Um, I'm trying to remember there was also, we were pouring, um, Kalen Cellars, if, if you're familiar, which is really interesting. Right. Um, Berkeley, I think they're in Berkeley Winery, and and actually one that, um, rest in peace. The 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 winemaker recently passed away, um, and so those wines will, um, kind of be a, a sought after treasure at this point, and already were really. But you know, it was something like they're they hold their wines for a really long time before they release them, and so it was it was maybe like a 1996 Chardonnay. Oh my gosh, old vines in Sonoma that. Uh, I believe that we were pouring, um, 
that would have been a standout. Yeah, I would wonder, I would be interested to know what um, Dan and Teal's favorites were. Yeah. Um, you know, they. I think they had had, you know, it was, it was for Teal, I know, a pretty, um, you know, she had had Antique Terra before, and Dan had visited the winery before, but I think that was Teal's first time sitting down and tasting a lot of those wines, and maybe Antique Terra was a highlight. Yeah, I'm sure that it was. I mean, it was... We also, what else? Maybe we were pouring like Fourier or something like that. Like, um, yeah, that, it, yeah, they continue to pour crazy wines and there definitely were some then too. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. The um, We'd have a leg of ham on the table, just Berica <laughs> and slicing that up. And Wow. And so... Um, I ran across something like for your, you know, your, the, I know that your label is done by an artist, uh, Sheila, Sheila Laffer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's having a show, um, at National, a gallery, uh, off, it's like 20th and Burnside, East Burnside, where she has some like really beautiful work on display right now. Okay. Um, I'm sure that wasn't your question. Well, yeah. no, no, go no, ahead. no, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. That was totally <laughs> no, fine. No. Just um, giving her a plug, you know? <laughs> I was just, I, I, I always thought that Till had found her, but then as I was researching, it sounds like that Sheila was a friend or something of yours. Yeah, and she was, I had not um, known her, but she was um, a friend, a friend of mine had a gallery um, in Portland. He's got a little, he's got a coffee shop called Never and adjacent to that. They had a gallery. Now it's Ardor Wine Shop. Um, okay. But yeah, she had a show there, or she was a part of a show there. And, uh, you know, Teal and I were, yeah, on the search for somebody to, you know, do some work for us. And um, my buddy who owned that at the time put us in touch with, with Sheila. And, um, yeah, she we drove around the valley and drove to the vineyards that we sourced fruit from and... Um, you know, she, she has these sort of, you know, her work is sort of influenced by, she grew up in rural Pennsylvania. And so there's these, um, huge, I'm going to not accurately title them, but these big sort of mural pattern, um, pieces that are painted on the sides of barns and right. like, um, and we have, you'll see them some, you know, they're, they're, the influence of that has bled over here too. And so if you're driving around Yamhill, um, through, through Yamhill just past, there's a couple barns that have these types of things on them anyway too. And so that was fun. We drove by that and she was like, oh, that's the kind of stuff that my work is influenced by. And, um, certainly what she did for us is a very, you know, landscape, um, you know, landscape inspired works. Right. Um, but yeah, super talented and. Um, successful now. Like, I don't that, know that we could afford her anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that is amazing. The, um, so I, one of the things I've been curious about, um, so you have all your, your different labels and different colors of, you know, of wax. wax. And, yeah. Yeah. What is, what is going to be the color and the label, you know, coming out of the estate vineyard on Parrot that Mountain? That is a great question. Um, we, um, you know, again, you know, this would be, I would say like back to, um, a testament to 
Dan and Teal's commitment to only bottling what is the best, you know, we, but, you know, before we turned the mics on, you know, we were, I was lamenting the, the fact that, you know, we're, we're heading into our, heading into our seventh leaf here. Right. And, um, sixth leaf, sorry. And we'll expect kind of our first meaningful crop. Um, and you know, that is a testament to, to not needing to push the vines or not, not wanting to push them and wanting them to be, you know, the strongest, um, you know, deepest rooted, um, little vines that we can, that we can possibly tend. Um, so, you know, we're going to harvest some fruit this year and we're extremely excited about it, but that doesn't, um, guarantee that it's going to make its way into one of our bottles. Right. No, I, I, Um, right. So part, partially to answer your question is the answer is I have no idea. Okay. (laughs) And the second part is, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Right. If the, if there's something astounding there, um, we'll put it in bottle and, um, it it will have a pretty label on it. Of course. Um, I think that we have a couple, um, things that Sheila did for us that we have not used on a label yet. Um, and what will the color of the wax be? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe we'll come up with something. I'm I'm sure I was just (laughs) aesthetics. I was just thinking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the, 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 the estate is, um, an extreme place, uh, not just elevation, but you know, it's this, you know, that chain of whatever ancient volcanoes and very, very weathered, uh, volcanic material and extremely rocky. Um, interestingly, the, the pieces that are the rockiest are, are, are our strongest vines. Um, something I think to do probably likely with how that basalt is sort of vertically fractured there. And so the, the roots are being, you know, they're, they're finding their way down to water, Right. With relative ease. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, there's, 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 um, some precedent recently for excellent wines being grown at a thousand feet elevation, uh, with like Kusa vineyard. Um, yeah. yeah. And then you've got, you know, Jim Prosser, who's just really right down the hill at JK Carrier. Um, he planted in 2008 when I was, um, still working for him, um, on some, really similar dirt, just very, very rocky eroded volcanic material. Um, and those wines are, those wines are great. Um, so hoping to approximate some of that elegance and, um, depth and, right. and maybe we'll get, maybe we'll, um, maybe we, maybe we found something with, with young vines and, right. and, um, that, 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 that continuing to develop is super exciting. Yeah, that that would be. Eventually, we'll get like you know a, a building up there, or <laughs> you know like running water or electricity. Um, right now, it's just sort of a bunch of lonely vines on a hill and right. a pretty wild place, which is which is exciting. I think I like that about Oregon vineyards when they feel sort of Oregonian and and feral a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 would be nice. Um, I know Till is a big Cab Franc fan. She does love Cab Franc, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I, you know, you're probably not going to, you know, that vineyard isn't you know, conducive. I don't, to- think that, um, I don't think that we could ripen it up there. Right. Um, 
but um, maybe somewhere else. I'm sure she would be happy if we made some Cab Franc. I'm sure. Um, what did we? She's yeah. She. It's funny to like. She loves Cab Franc, and so I think when we were in, when we 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 all took a trip together with some friends um, to Burgundy in and Champagne in um, 2018. And, you know, when you're over there, you can find some, some of these rare wines that, um, you know, on a wine list at some great restaurant, like Claude Rajard, for example. And, you know, it was funny. It was like, Teal already loved Cabernet Franc, and then she had Claude Rajard. <laughs> and, uh, and I, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. If we could make something like that, elegant and almost Burgundian, then... Um, that would be a lot of fun. I don't know where that would happen. And there are, there are some interesting Cab Francs in the Valley. Yeah. Was that a clue about this wine? No, I don't think this wine's Cab Franc. Um, yeah, no, it, I, I, I always love to start rumors that, you know, people are going yeah, to make, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially on sparkling. So, you know, I, I know that we briefly talked about sparkling. You're like, well, maybe, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And the site would, I think be great for that. Um, you know, we, we, um, I am, you know, there's Pinot Noir up there, there's Chardonnay up there, there's a little bit of Gamay, um, but there's, there's roughly equal parts Pinot and Chardonnay and really experimenting with the, the kind of range of aspects and, you know, reasonable range of elevations as well. Um, and a bunch of different clones as well. Um, for sure, sparkling wine is in the cards for that site. When that happens is a different question. I think that last year would have been, if we wouldn't have gotten hit with the frost, would have right. been a great uh, year to, to play with building some base wine. Um, but alas, uh, we lost our Chardonnay to frost last year. Um, but another vintage like that will come along. Maybe it's yeah. this one, who knows? Yeah, yeah no, we'll see. We'll let, those, we'll let those things, um, We'll let those play out, but yeah, I mean, we all, we all love sparkling wine, and in our, in our kind of decision to pull the trigger on that site, right? Um, that was one factor. You know, it was okay. This is a high elevation vineyard. It's going to be cold, and and it's going to be late to ripen. Um, not that I'm worried about ever ripening fruit up there, but. Um, <clears throat> the opportunity to have the, the the kind of hang time and also low sugar and high acidity, um, I think should should happen up there. Um, we're gonna learn. And right. We'll find out. Yeah. No, I'll I'll keep spreading the rumor that it's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Oh. Uh, Last year, I did a, a podcast with Mac and Sid at yeah. Kings North. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the blind wine that I brought was, you know, an Audayant Luminous Hills. Oh, cool, yeah. Be- and the reason I did that is because they also have Luminous Hills. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and Mac worked for Byron, I think, for a number of years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, and when I revealed it, I loved Sid's uh, response. He's like. Andrew, yeah. he he's the man. <laughs> yeah, right. Sid was there. Sid was there. You know, he probably watched me take my pants off and pijage that that <laughs> wine that uh, that you then showed him. Um, yeah, I thought you know, I I love those guys, and um, 
they, uh, I don't know if they still buy the fruit, but, um, yeah, the wines that they, the, the, the couple of vintages that they did, I've, I've had those and they're great wines. Yeah. They, they um, the, the Sid was always like, I could, I think he worked two harvests at Lingua Franca and it was, you know, so, you know, that's where we made our wines for a long time. And, um, there was always this moment towards the end of the day where, you know, you'd like, I would catch his, catch his eye across the cellar, you know, and it's five, six o'clock, not the end of the day necessarily, but like the, the beginning of the end of the day. <laughs> right. And it was like, is that guy thirsty? Oh yeah. He's yep. And then it, whoever was closest to the refrigerator right. would go and get the 12 pack of Modelo and distribute it to everybody who was working and yep. Sid and I could rely on each other to know when it was time, which is, you need somebody like that. <laughs> and you know, what's, what's funny is he told that same story. That's funny. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That was, that, that was, was awesome. Funny. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> this past vintage, you know, that was the first year that you weren't at Lingua yep. Franca. Yeah. Yeah. Do you miss that com camaraderie that yeah, like that you whole know, big environment? Yeah. I mean, not only was that a, um, just a, just a really, just a really nice winery with nice equipment. Right. Um, the, the, the community was special. Um, the culture that they wanted to build and did was one where, you know, sitting down at lunch all together was important and talking and they do that every day, not just during harvest. Um, but yeah, sharing ideas, sharing experience, sharing wine. Um, Larry and and David had something like, you know, it's like ten thousand bottles in the cellar there. Of you know, you can imagine, um, maybe you can't even. I mean, it, it was it was crazy. I helped him unpack some of those boxes, and it was like, that's wow, that, <laughs> that's, that's a, insane. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot of Raveno. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, not just, you know, the, the, you know, it wasn't just drinking and tasting whatever, but like really focusing on benchmarks and, um, and then, you know, we had, you know, Seth Morgan Long was making his wines there and Alban of Abbott Claim was there for two vintages, um, before they had their, their, their facility built and, um, you know, and then, you know, you've got, you got Chris who's at Toomey and, um, you know, there was just this kind of handful of really, really good-natured and talented and collaborative people, and then you know, and so, so, so you, you couldn't, you had to learn things there, right. you know, because right. the the osmosis of of being adjacent to you know that much really, really compelling wine. Um, was a huge influence, you know, especially, you know, they make a lot of Chardonnay and obviously Dominique Lafon is there, there is a partner and consultant. And, um, I would say that, you know, Tama, Kim, um, Dominique, Seth, Alban, you know, that whole kind of collaboration, um, really, really imprinted, um, a way to make, or, or, uh, uh, not just one way to make Chardonnay, but a way to think about Chardonnay right. and um, influenced, you know, my 
my winemaking on that level pretty drastically, actually. And, you know, talking about your winemaking, I remember a conversation with Till, and you, I think at one point you told her that I want to make the best Pinot Noir in the world. And... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I I was just going to say... And, you know, you're getting recognition, like the, the 2021 Decanter Awards. Yeah. You know, with um, the 2017, yeah. you know, Audit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was cool. Um, yeah, there, that was part of this kind of this similar time period of, you know, when we met you and this, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty about us selling wine. And, um, you know, you can, the wine, it's like, the wine can be the wine can be the best wine in the world, and th- but that doesn't guarantee that it's going to sell, right? Um, wow. You need, right? You need, um, you need word of mouth, and you need smart people to taste and appreciate the work that you're doing, and then say nice things. <laughs> and we've been fortunate. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, um, I did say something like that, whether literally or or not, but I meant and I what I mean by that is more so I guess I would I would want to say like I want that to be less about me necessarily and more just about where we generally want our goals to be right um you know that would definitely be something that you know we took that I would have taken away from Antiquaterra is that you know you're not going to you're not ever going to achieve greatness if you're not exposing yourself to it and if you're not setting it as your goal um so that that you know bleeds down through the day-to-day work that that you know you're doing on the wines um so yeah i mean i would say that i would hope that that is just a never-ending pursuit really um and you know, greatness is subjective, obviously, like, like all of this, but, um, hopefully, um, the thought and the care, you know, cause it's, you know, it's, it, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but you know, I, you know, people ask me, you know, what is, what is like, what is the secret or, you know, what was the secret in Antiquaterra or what, you know, you know, anywhere. And it's, and I mean, it really just boils down to like, it's just paying attention. Right. Um, and kind of amassing, you know, this this data that is filtering through your perception over the course of a growing season, over the course of a wine's life. It's fermentation, obviously. And um, I think, like, I think being, um, I think being sensitive and paying attention are the two most um, important traits of a winemaker um from my perspective right no i i completely agree a good winemaker yeah you know and you always come across as a very humble spirit uh never pretentious of like (laughs) oh yeah i am going to make the best wine in the world um but i think it's just it's nice the what as i mentioned earlier just to see the path that you all are on yeah and what you've done yeah. And just to get that sort of recognition. Yeah. 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 It is, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, you kind of, you make this wine and it's, you know, it's like producing any piece of art or anything. You kind of send it out into the world and 
you, then you don't really have any control anymore. Right. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. When, when smart people say nice things, um, you know, I want to make wines that are wines that I want to drink. Right. That's like, that's really kind of all I can do is like produce my approximation of the most beautiful thing and then hope that that work resonates with consumers obviously and right. brings joy to a table and um and but for those people to know about it um yeah you need yeah again i keep saying you need smart people to say nice things <laughs> <laughs> yes um everything you know you you're still in a very much a, a growing mm -hmm. phase right you have parrot mountain like you mentioned earlier you're going to you know eventually have some sort of building up there and once you get a building i imagine you're going to have other you know people helping you make wine you know yeah. and some yeah. of the things that right. That, that have, you've yeah. that you've done you know you've sorted cow poo <laughs> yeah yes i have um yeah. <laughs> you've gone and got uh, uh rocks from the creek and scrubbed yeah. them to put them <laughs> yeah. in the barrel yeah what obnoxious things are you going to like <laughs> what obnoxious thing oh man i mean i i um i don't even know if i have the creativity necessary to invent a new obnoxious thing that i haven't already done um you know, I mean, the thing that is always, I think, um, when you have more hands and more eyes, um, that just means more time that you can spend in the vineyard. Right. And that is always, that's, that is like the never ending investment. Um, and whether that is, you know, a person who's, I don't know if you've ever um, owned sheep, but that in and of itself is pretty obnoxious. <laughs> um, I grew up with sheep and, um, you know, animals are something that, uh, I think in the long term is something we'd really like to incorporate into farming. And, um, yeah, I mean, I turned 40 last year and, um, as I continue to age, you know, I'm not interested in, um, wrestling with sheep that much I, I i am to a certain degree but yeah i'll probably have somebody who you know wants to take care of some animals and right um i mean i want to do that too but uh <laughs> that actually is fun maybe that isn't that obnoxious <laughs> i don't know that's a good question i'll have to think of something um you know it's really just it will be the same things that i do on a day-to-day -day basis you know <laughs> keeping things clean right, right. Um, and being, uh, being focused on the details really. Um, yeah, that, that is a funny, it's like, I don't, um, it's hard to envision somebody else being involved with the wines, right? Like, um, but yeah, that's a necessary and important piece of growth. And, you know, also I think, you know, it, it's hard for me to picture, you know, it's like, this was something that we would always laugh about at Antiquita or, or at, at Lingua Franca, sorry. You know, we'd be in the middle of harvest and looking around, you know, and it's like, you know, 30 tons show up and, you know, you know, and it's myself and it's Tomah and it's Kim and, you know, and Seth and um, looking around and saying like, where, like, where are the adults? Like, 
who's putting, who's in charge here? And, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, I realize, yeah, I guess I'm the adult and I'm in charge. And, and, and soon it becomes your duty to, you know, mentor the next people and teach the next people the right way to do things. And, um, yeah, I look forward to that because I've really been given so much in that regard. And, um, yeah, look forward to, to someday being able to kind of pay that, that gift forward yeah. for what it's worth. Yeah. That, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, you've already mentioned all sorts of things about the Oregon wine community. And normally I yeah. talk about the Oregon wine community, but you've already given me so many stories. So I have a little bit of a different sure. question. Uh, the Valley has grown up quite a bit over the years and the last couple of years we've seen it grow even more. Uh, what do you feel the Valley is lacking? Oh, interesting. You know, so, I mean, yeah. to me, uh, with <clears throat> last year at, you know, with Mc, in McMinnville, you know, with the tributary and Okta, yeah. you know, opening up that's, you know, having something that high end was yeah. something that was kind of lacking. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that that is, I think that was, I think there's more room for that, certainly. And I think there are people certainly doing that work. And, and I think, yeah, in the last handful of years, you know, McMinnville, that scene has really grown up. Um, you know, you've got hi-fi and, you know, I would have said for a long time, what like hi-fi is, is something that the Valley lacked, which is, you know, it can be, you know, we're in this, little valley tucked up into the corner of, of the country. And, um, you know, Portland is there and there are, there are great wines in Portland. Um, what I would like to see is more access to just really honestly, more access for more people to the great, wines of the world and not even just like the you know i'm not even just talking about um burgundy you know you know you know first growth bordeaux or you know you know whatever like right i'm talking just i'm talking about the 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 rare um thoughtful work that is being done in you know whatever corner of the italian alps or um whatever you know canary island or um, the, 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 like the superlative things so that, you know, we, I think, I think that there is often sort of a myopia of like, you know, you just kind of drink what's available and, and right. you, you, if it's not within your reach, um, you know, it's hard to reach for, for, what is what what should be our benchmarks and um yeah i i i would like to see and there are these these things exist but yeah focused learning on you know what what should be our north stars um and you know part of that is just yeah you know restaurant scenes and um and you know the work of you know being willing to say like being willing to kind of 
stretch a little bit to find to find the difficult and find the gems. Um, but yeah, accessibility to those things. Yeah, like I, I think I, I I guess in what what I mean is that there are there's like you're just not going to produce great wines if you haven't been exposed to them. And I recognize that it's I've been in a fortunate place in my life to have generous people around me um, expose me to great wines. And you know what does great wine mean? Like I'm not even trying to define that necessarily, but I think that. You know, every producer at whatever stage they're at, um, whether they're just a cellar worker, you know, cellar hand to assistant winemaker to having a, their own small brand, um, I think it's important that you seek out your North Stars and, you know, meet your idols. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's, you know, there's like this romance of, you know, wine making itself and, um, just kind of letting it be. And obviously like, you know, there's, there are pieces of that that are true, but, um, you know, being, being a, being a steward of these things requires having your own destination, whether that is a fixed destination or just something to continue to put one foot in front of the other towards, right. um, and that's, that's, that is difficult without access. And so more access to that, I think is one thing that the Valley needs. Yeah. I, um, I think that would be great. It's, um, what else? I think that's, I think that's my answer right okay. now. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a great answer. And, you know, I think a perfect example of that is, you know, so Bruno, the, um, uh, winemaker at Domaine Divio. Yeah. He also, um, uh, is making wine in Tahiti, and so there he's doing uh, his he's bringing his Tahitian wines tomorrow night to yeah. Domaine Divio to explore. I'm like, yes, sign me up because I want to explore. I want to like, what does that taste yeah. like? What yeah. is like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so curious yeah. about that. Yeah, curiosity, and I, we we have no shortage of curiosity. That I think is um, a testament uh, to the valley and and the people here. Um, yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. When is that? Tomorrow night. <laughs> okay, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll see if I can snag a bottle or two and share it with you. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about that. Yeah. So I have some rapid fire questions and okay. I can uh, reveal the wines. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, uh, favorite artist to listen to during harvest? Oh, gosh. Um, <clears throat> that changes. Um, I, you know, it's funny. We would always joke at Antigua about like Maggie and Nate always listening to like music without words. <laughs> and it was just, you know, sometimes you're just kind of like, it gets monotonous. So like things that break that up are nice. Um, what did I listen to a lot this last year? Um, you know, that, the, that album that um, I think it won a Grammy, that Tennessee state marching band album oh um okay is incredible and has this like you know it's a marching band and it's also i mean it's got like obviously like a lot of r&b and hip-hop influence kind of woven throughout that um but it is like driving forward right and right. and and rhythm and there's pacing and um 
and it's also just so joyful too, which I think, you know, not that harvest brings its own joy, but you do to approach the work. Um, it's important to be refilled, I think often. And that, right. that definitely did it for me this past harvest. Well, that's cool. That wasn't a rapid fire answer. I apologize. Well, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, if you had to pick a favorite indulgent food, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, on a budget or just anything? Anything. You have yeah, it's no Dungeness limit. Crab. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's I. Um, I love going and getting them, and then sitting down on a table with newspaper on it, and a and just butter and yep. white burgundy or champagne, um, and just like thick slab of little tea bread and. Um, a pile of this is the question about Dungeness crab do you when you're cracking it right do you eat kind of each morsel or do you make a pile oh. so that then you can have the good the good bite you know i never even thought about making a pile i'm the pile i'm a pile oh, guy I, I, I like delay gratification right for the like massive pile of crab i i think you've just changed the way i'm going to well eat you crab. know it, you can go back and forth you know right, you might right. just a little quick little dip snack but still have that accumulate pile. the pile oh. yeah yeah oh my gosh uh if you could choose a superpower what would it be oh man um i mean the ultimate cheat code would be time travel i think um yeah. i i i think that the idea that I'm, you know, supposed to have no regrets is kind of silly. Not that there's regrets, like I'm really happy where I am, but yeah, it's like if I'm trying to make the very best wine that I can make and can travel back in time and say like, oh, that didn't turn out the exact way that I want to be. I mean, it's a, it's <laughs> cheating. That's a big time right, cheat superpower, right. but um, I think time travel would be would be the one. So would that make your favorite superhero Doctor Strange then? You know, I am a pretty huge nerd, and so I do watch the Marvel movies, and, you know, honestly, it's either Doctor Strange or the Guardians of the Galaxy oh. are my favorite yeah, franchises yeah. In, in all of that. Yeah, yeah. Vol and Volume 3 is getting ready to come yeah, out. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and give me more Doctor Strange. Those the reason, I, the reason I love those is that they're very much, those movies are weird. Yes. Like... People are on <laughs> drugs making them, and in a good way, I mean. Yes. <laughs> um, they're trippy movies, and, and that's, I think, what the point of those things are, is to be fun. Yes, um, I, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, harvest notes, are they digital or handwritten? Handwritten. <clears throat> you mean like what I, when I'm working during harvest? Yeah. I have a little, um, I have a little, like, leather... It's just little, two little, you know, it's right. a folded piece of leather with a bungee strap in it that holds my um, field notes books. Mm -hmm. And I have each day my to-dos, tick them off. The next day, whatever's not ticked off gets added to that. And, and that's, those are my notes. So observations are in there as well. And then the second book that gets folded in there, each sheet is my is on one side the notes about each lot as it comes in and then the other side is where the that lots 
fermentation is tracked. And that is, if you see me during harvest, you'll see just an inch of leather sticking out of my back pocket because right. that thing is on me at all times. I can imagine. And yeah, the um, it would be cool uh, someday to kind of like put all of those field notes books together. The issue is that it looks like probably some sort of like alien language to most people um, because I've developed my own shorthand for things over time that would be remarkably unintelligible. <laughs> well, yeah, but still. It's, still it's be, just for me anyway. It, yeah, it'd still yeah. be cool. Yeah. It'd be very cool to yeah. have. Uh, last book that you've read? It could be audiobook or last podcast <clears throat> that you've read. Last book I read um, it's called The Overstory. And um, I highly recommend it. It's not like some, I'm not, you know, I'm not breaking any news here. I think it won the Pulitzer Prize uh, when it came out. Um, and it's about uh, trees and over long spans of time. And right. their kind of like connection and human experience through trees. Um, it, it, it is like, yeah, if you love, it's pretty epic in its scope, um, but but then feels like you're really the the, the like the detail that that you get into, um, and what you even just learn about the behavior of trees and, um, yeah, it's a really really lovely really lovely book. I highly recommend it. I'll have to check that out. The Overstory. Yeah, that is cool. Last podcast, I listened to a lot of podcasts on. I'm a, I'm a big NBA fan, basketball, okay. right. um, and I listen to a podcast called No Dunks, okay, um, which is just <laughs> some funny guys talking about basketball. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be yep. fun. Yep. Um, question that just came up. I'm uh, working out all the details to interview Channing for the podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is there yeah. a question you'd like me to ask him? Oh, man. Um, I would ask him, I mean, I would know the answer to this, but just, I, um, I definitely went, so when he was, when he was, I think Arizona won a national championship when he was there, um, but the couple years that he was there and Arizona was very good, the University of Oregon was also very good. We had Luke Jackson and Luke Ridenauer, and that was when I was a student there and went to a lot of games. So... Maybe I would just apologize to Channing for the obscenities that I certainly <laughs> screamed at him as a student at University of Oregon. <laughs> I've met him and I haven't actually gotten to that point yet because right. I'm sure everybody wants to talk to him about basketball. And so I'm like reticent to do so. <laughs> I know that. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Shall I reveal some wines? Yeah, let's do it. Am I, is this Gamay? No. Oh, okay. Well, never mind that. You want to do that one first? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, okay. it then then it's Oregon Pinot Noir with some a lot of whole cluster in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is from Tom. Ah, it is Tom. Okay, and sixty uh, percent Merlot, forty percent Pinot. Oh my gosh, sixty percent Merlot and forty percent Pinot Noir. Interesting. Yes. I I'd not had this wine, but I'd <clears throat> seen this. I think maybe I'd seen him post about this. Yeah. Oh, it's I, lovely. It is. It's absolutely. It's interesting. I mean, I think that my gamay um, guess is, and may, we can ask him, but um, largely because of the sort of carbonic maceration influence on the aromatic profile of this wine. Right. 
Also, I just don't know what Merlot and Pinot Noir are supposed to taste like together. I don't know either. And, you know, when I heard that you and Tom worked together, yeah. and this is such an interesting wine, yeah. I was like, I would, that, that would just be amazing yeah. to... Man, his labels are cool, too. Yeah, he does a great job. Yeah. That's really fun. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and then a, then an old sweet wine, I have no idea what I'm going to guess here. Okay, and, and that's fine. So... When we were at Hazel Fern uh, a couple years ago, yes, yeah, you brought a German Riesling, yeah, uh huh. And so I was like, okay, well, I will bring yeah. cool, yeah, Spatlisse, uh, two thousand two, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so that's I just, very cool. Yeah, I thought that would be fun. And this seemed did this seemed corked at first to you? Well, no, it didn't seem corked. Okay. Yeah. I was I was got it. You yeah. know when it's not. It's yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was questionable when I went to open it. Yeah, how long like, have you had this wine? Uh, so I actually just got that back Can in I December. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a little bit more. Actually, it's like ten thirty in the morning. So. It, no, it's eleven forty-five. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> um, but no, I, I got it back in December. Um, you know, for an event getting ready to come up. And I wanted to taste some beforehand, and I'm like, oh, that'd be fun to taste that with Andrew. Yeah, that is fun. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. 21 years young. Yeah. It's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, I still, if I was still even knowing, this still smells like GMA to me. In, it, a, in a lovely way. Like, I love, I mean, it smells like a GMA that I really would love. <laughs> right. I... I I, when I bought these, I was like, Ooh, I don't know. But you know, I trusted Tom and what he does. And I'm like, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. And yeah, yeah let's do it. And yeah. I, I, I adore Have you it. interviewed Tom? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. He's a smart, thoughtful guy. I'm yeah. sure that'll be a good one. Yeah. That would be a good one. Yeah. Would you have any questions for me or anything that I missed by <clears throat> chance? Um, I don't think you missed anything. I mean, um, yeah, I don't. I think. I, yeah, I, I. feel like that was a, that was a good time. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate really, your time. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you very much. Of course. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, AJ.